Good morning. Hope you're good. I'm excited uh, to be here, excited about today. A lot going on today, um, <clears throat> even after uh, church today, after our services. Um, this afternoon, we've got the fall festival going on. And so I want to invite you to come back out to that. Uh, there'll be a lot going on there, uh, stuff for the kids, stuff for you. Um, just a good time to hang out, fellowship with uh, some other folks in the church, maybe meet some folks that you haven't met yet uh, who go to church here. Um, also, want to encourage you to invite somebody maybe um, that you know who's unchurched. Uh, it might be a, just a good time to introduce them to the church. And uh, who knows, it may be an entryway for them into uh, the church, and then that may be an entryway into uh, faith. And so uh, I want to encourage you with that also. Uh, another thing that's coming up next Sunday, uh, we're going to have our heart and soul class. Uh, heart and soul is where we um, talk and, and try to help um, us understand a little bit better the purpose of God's church, why the church exists, not a connection church, but his church, uh, overall view and uh, understanding of why God has uh, created the church and the church's purpose. We also look at um, our purpose, Connection Church's purpose, what we feel God's called us to do as a part of um, his church. And when you see what God's purpose for the, the, the church is, the Big C Church, it's easy to understand how we play a part in that. And so that's what we look at. Um, we'd love for you to come and uh, be a part of that. We'd love for you to uh, come and see how uh, what it would look like for you to be a part of uh, his church and part of this church. And so if that's something you're interested in. You can sign up online. You can go to the Next Steps table after service and uh, sign up there. And I'd love to see you there next Sunday. So today I'm going to continue going through some of the readings from our reading plan, the 412 reading plan that we uh, all have been reading through. Um, and we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 6 today. Ephesians chapter 6 um, and, and looking uh, specifically at verses 10 through 20. And these are some really common verses. If you've been in church much, you've probably heard more than one message preached on these verses that are speaking about the armor of God. Um, you probably maybe even read books or whatever, done Bible studies on this. And so um, there's tons of things that can be talked about. We certainly can't cover them all um, here this morning, um, but we're going to dive into some of it. I want to set it up real quick before we get into it on what we're about to read. Um, in the letter to the Ephesians, the church in Ephesus, Paul in chapters one through five and on into six, the first 10 verses of six, has really laid out God's plan and purpose for his church and his overall plan for the world. Um, he talks about how um, through Christ, he's reconciled us to himself. He talks about the glory of salvation by faith in Christ. He talks about um, the unity that um, God wants to see in his church. He talks about the purity of life that Christ produces in us as we walk with him. Um, he goes on and talks about how God desires to see harmony in our relationships, in our marriages, different things like that. And so really Paul is laying out um, God's heart and desire for his people and for the world. And it's really an incredible vision of what God wants us to be and what he wants us to be about. And so when you look at that, it's kind of an ideal. It's, it's what God wants to happen. Um, it's possible, but Paul comes to verse 10 and he begins to tell us, look, 
I know that everything I've sort of painted for you and what God wants for his church, what God wants to see happen in the world, I know it is beautiful. I know it is glorious. I know it's incredible. But understand this, it's not going to just happen because you show up or, or I don't know how many of you played sports and maybe you had a coach one time tell you like, um, we can win this game, but we're not going to win it by just throwing our hats on the field, right? We're not going to win it by just showing up, um, by just saying, well, we're, we're good, so we win, right? You, you have to play the game. Um, and he's telling us if we're going to see what God desires for the world and for his church, then we're going to have to do some battle, and that's what he's about to show us and tell us is how this happens. And so we're going to read this and we're going to recognize a few things. We're going to recognize um, the keys to uh, us seeing the fulfillment of God's plan. We're going to see who our enemy is. There's a lot of things in these 10 verses, 10 or 11 verses that we're going to see today. And so I want to read verses 10 and 11 in Ephesians chapter 6. And then we'll pray and get into this message. It says in verse 10, finally be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Let's pray. God, I just thank you for this morning. I thank you for the truth of your word. I thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit. God, I pray that you would um, just enlighten our hearts today, Lord, through the power of your truth. God, give us eyes to see and ears to hear what God you would have us to hear today. Lord, I, I just pray that our, our, um, our hearts would be set on fire for you and that we'd gain clarity about who you are, who you've created and recreated us to be and got our purpose here on earth. Lord, we love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, when we first started out with the church, it's been almost 10 years ago now, uh, and I remember when we started out, I kind of had this mindset that as we started, it would be new and it would be really easy to sort of establish what God had called us to do and to be. And it's a new church. You kind of think about it like a new canvas. You know, you just sort of paint whatever you feel like God wants you to paint on it. And then you kind of just go with it. And I didn't anticipate what was really going to happen because what happens a lot of times when you start a church, um, you begin to do something new that God's leading you to do. What ends up happening many times is people see that as an opportunity as well. And so people began to come to the church, um, not all, but, but some came with um, sort of an agenda, uh, seeing it as an opportunity that we can kind of do what we feel like the church should do. And so it seems kind of odd that you would face that in a new church in the very beginning, but it was actually uh, pretty um, a pretty uh, intense season where we felt pulled in a lot of different directions, felt very clearly that, that God had told us who we were to be and what we were supposed to be about. But then it felt like we were getting pulled in a lot of different directions to do or to be all these different things. And I remember in that time thinking about how confusing it felt at times because we were pulled this way, that way, all over the place. It was almost like we were in a, a dust bowl kind of thing, like the 
dust was just swirling around us so much that we couldn't see clearly. Um, we couldn't hardly know what to do next because there were so many competing voices and different um, things that were vying for our attention and wanting us to go this way or that way. And, and I remember just the confusion that existed in that time. And I recognize, and I tell you that because I know that the, the greatest weapon the enemy has against us is to deceive us away from God's truth, causing confusion in our life so that we can be pulled in so many directions that it's hard for us to go the direction that God wants us to go. So that even the last couple of months, I've sensed this more than any other time since we started the church, is this pull to try to get pulled in different directions, to be something other than maybe what God wants us to be, to get off of our tracks that God wants us to run, the things that God put us here to do, what God wants us to be about, and to get on other tracks and go a different direction. And I feel like in all of this, that, that Satan's come in, he's tried to deceive us, he's tried to confuse us. And so what I learned and we planted the church is that sometimes in those seasons when it seems very confusing and the, the dust is, just seems to be kicked up all around you, clarity is hard to find. Sometimes the best thing we can do is just stand firm in faith on what we know God's called us to do and to be. And here's the challenge in that. If Satan wants to come in and he wants us to move away from who he's called us to be, he wants us to move away from what God wants us to do. This is true in the church as a whole. This is true in our own individual lives. And so Paul is telling us, look, if the church is going to be what God wants it to be, if we are going to do what God wants it, us to do, it's not just going to happen. There is one who's coming against us who wants to destroy us. Listen, he is a furious enemy. He, he is angry because he knows his time is short. So all he can do is fight against what God desires to do. And so he comes against us um, in as many ways to deceive us away from God and his truth as he can. And this is no different for, for us than it was in Paul's day. I believe one of the reasons that the church is as divided as it is and we face the struggles and, and the difficulties that we face, one of the reasons we don't see this picture that God has painted through Paul in Ephesians 1 through 6.10 is because Satan has come in and deceived us in many ways. And so Paul is telling us that this is going to happen. He's saying, listen, if we're going to be who God created us to be, if we're going to be the church God desires for us to be, he begins in verse 10 telling us how this is going to happen, what it's going to take. And so in verse 10, this is what he says. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. 
And so when you look at that, he's saying finally, but not finally, like, okay, this is the end. He's saying finally, as in going forward, understand this, going forward, as you go forward from here, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. What's he telling us? He's saying, listen, as you go forward, if what we see in the unity, the harmony and relationships, the, the power of God working in the church, as we see uh, this plan of reconciliation and salvation go throughout the world. He's saying, if this is going to happen, going forward, you're going to have to be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. He's telling us that this can't be accomplished in our own strength. He's telling us that it's not something we can do. He's telling us that this is dependent on God. He's telling us that one of the things about the enemy is that he is more powerful than us. But one of the things about the enemy is also that he's not more powerful than God. And so he wants us to see we can't be and do what God wants us to be and do in our own ability. So he says, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. What's the power he's talking about? He's defined that for us in Ephesians chapter one. If you flip back a few chapters, verse 18, this is what he tells us. As he's beginning this letter to the Ephesians, he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. In other words, I pray that your, 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 the eyes of your heart, that faith opens your eyes, that the spirit opens your eyes to see this in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, that you would know the hope we have in Christ, that you would know what is laid up ahead of us. And he says that his incomparably great power for us who believe, what power is that? It's the power, the same power as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. What's he telling us? He's saying, listen, the strength that God has provided, the power that we get by faith in Christ as we abide and cling to God through this faith. He's saying it's the same power, the same strength that God used when he raised Jesus from the dead. He's saying if we're going to be the people and the church that God creates us to be, if we're going to see this beautiful picture that's been painted in from Ephesians 1 to 6.10 happen, he's saying this is the power that it's going to take in order for that to come to fruition if we really want to see it. He's saying you got to cling to God by faith. You got to hold to him. You got to draw close to him that you don't walk in your own power or your own strength, but you walk in the strength of God. I believe one of the reasons that the church is getting its, its butt kicked all over the place right now is because we've walked in our own strength. We've walked in our own wisdom. Sunday morning, so many times we just show up and do what we can do. In our daily lives, we just kind of live what we can live. We just kind of go about it in what we know 
in our own wisdom, the wisdom we've been taught by the world. Paul's saying, listen, that's not going to suffice if we're going to do and be what God wants us to do and be, if we're going to see the reality of what God desires for his people. And so he tells us we need the strength of the Lord. In verse 11, he tells us, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. A couple of things I want to point out to you in this is, first he says, put on. If you go on down through these verses, picking up in verse 13, he says, put on the full armor of God. He tells us to buckle the belt of truth. He tells us to put in place the breastplate of righteousness. He says to fit our feet with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. He tells us to take up the shield of faith. He says, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit. He tells us these things. These are action words. These are things that we take hold of. But how do we take hold of them? Listen, it's not something that we physically put on, right? If you get up in the morning and you put on a Roman soldier outfit and go to work, that's not spiritual, that's weird. If you walk around town with a sword in your hand, you're not like holy, you're going to jail. I mean, it's like, it's not that. It's not where we take it and we just put it on. And I hear people and they'll say like, yeah, before you get out of bed, you got to put on the breastplate of righteousness. You got to put on the, you know, the gospel, the gospel shoes. But what does that even mean? Like what, how do I even do that? When he's talking about putting on, taking up, buckling, you know, fitting our feet, all of those things are done through faith. It's when we take hold of God's truth, we take hold of who he is and we stand firm in the truth by faith. But what is faith? Look at Hebrews chapter 11. You don't have to turn there. It's just one verse. Verse one. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. So he's telling us you can take this and put this on. You can't see it or touch it, but you can put it on. And how do you do that? You do it with faith because faith is confidence in, in what we hope for. It's assurance in things that we cannot see. So what do I put on? I put on the armor. How do I do it? By faith. But I can't see the armor. That's okay. It's still true. It's in God's word. I can't see faith. That's okay. I'm going to grab hold of it anyway and I'm going to put it on and I'm going to wear it because I know this is the source of living the life of victory that God's called us to live. This is the source and the power and the strength of God to be able to do and be and become the church that he wants us to do and be and become. This is what he's called us to. And so by faith, by belief and trust in God's word, in the person of Christ, in our heavenly father, in the power of the spirit, by faith, I take hold of those things. And even when hell comes against me, come hell or high water, you know, come whatever may, the wind and the rain, the storm of life, when it comes against me, I don't have to fear. Why? Because I've got hold of the truth of God. I've got hold of Christ. He's planted my 
my feet on a firm foundation. So no matter what comes against me, I'm holding on by faith. And I know according to his word, it's not just me holding on to him. But if I hold on to him, he's holding on to me. And so no matter what's coming at me, I know that I can have peace because I'm not going to be moved. Because I'm planted on something that's bigger than the things around me. His truth, the word of God, God himself. We dig deep. We dig deep into God's truth by faith. He plants us on a foundation and a foundation that can't be moved. And so by faith, we put this on. By faith, we hold to it. And we're going to look at what those things are in just a second. So we put on the full armor of God. And he says this, so you can take your stand. Listen, he's going to say that in different ways four times, four times. Paul wants us to see that the way, the way we're going to be able to become the church and fulfill the plan the church has is by standing firm. He's saying, don't be moved. Stand firm. He says, in the faith, in your trust and belief in the truth, stand firm. Firm. Don't be moved from the faith. Just stand firm. Now we can't confuse standing firm with being idle. We stand firm in the faith on the foundation of Christ so we can move forward with the mission of God. So it's not standing firm and standing still. It's standing firm in the truth so I can go forward with God's purposes. And so he wants us to stand firm in faith. Put it on and stand firm firm in it. He tells us that we have to take our stand against the devil's schemes. But what's the devil's schemes, right? What's his scheme? His scheme, his number one weapon, the only weapon he is going to try to use against you is deception. Deception comes in many different forms, in many different varieties. But the truth is that Satan has one way of moving us away from abiding in Christ through faith, moving us away from God, and that is to deceive us, to make us think that there is some way that is better than God's way. Think about in the garden, even when Eve sinned and she ate the fruit, God comes to her and says, what is this that you've done? She said, he deceived me and I ate. All sin is rooted in deception. It's when we see something that is presented to us that it will be fulfilling. And when, when we take a bite of it, it only leaves us empty. It's something that promises to fill us, but in the end leaves us more empty than we were. It deceives us into moving away from God's truth. And so we get drug away, we get enticed, we get deceived, we move away. Satan's number one weapon, his only weapon is deception to move us away from God's truth, to move us away from Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life. He goes on down, he's, he's defining the scheme, he's telling us what we need to do and to stand firm in the faith. He says in verse 12, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And so he's now defining the enemy for us. He's saying, listen, and this is hard to do 
Because for us, we see things that are tangible around us. When that becomes the source of our problem, we naturally assume that it is the actual source. And so think about this. When you run into someone who's being a jerk, right? They're just being a jerk. And you run into them, they're being a jerk to you. Very seldom do we stop and go, I wonder what happened in their childhood that's making them act this way. Like we don't. We don't think like, okay, there's something behind this. Maybe they're having a bad day. Maybe they just got fired. Maybe they, you know, whatever it might be. We don't think about their past and what it could have been. We just see them as the source of the issue. And so when we see them as the source of the issue, who do we fight against? We fight against them. We don't recognize that there is something, the real source is something that's behind them. We don't realize that if we are only dealing with flesh and blood, listen, even with our own flesh and blood, because we can't do what we feel we need to do or make ourselves better or make ourselves good enough. If we're just battling our own flesh and blood or the flesh and blood around us that comes against us, then, then we'll never walk the way God wants us to walk because we're not dealing with the root of the issue. We're dealing with a symptom. And so it's bigger than what we see. There's a bigger reality than what we see around us. There's a battle that wages and that rages and there's a battle that's taking place. And so he's defining this enemy. He's saying it's not flesh and blood. Listen, there's a spiritual root to this. He says it's the rulers and the authorities, the powers of this dark world and the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. In other words, he's telling us some things about Satan. One of those things is that he is powerful. He is powerful. These words and all the ways he describes him, basically it tells us that he's a worldwide spiritual ruler. He, he is higher than humans, but he is inferior to God. He's powerful. He's telling us, listen, he's wicked. He is 100% evil. And I want you to see there's two forces at work in the world. There's the Holy Spirit. There's the spirit of Antichrist. There's this demonic spirit, this evil. And when you see these, they collide. And there's a battle that wages for the earth. God's plan is to fill the earth with his glory through the gospel of his grace and people being created in his image, redeemed and set free by faith in Jesus. And then Satan's goal is to stop that, to hinder it as much as he can. He's wicked. He opposes everything that is of God. We know that he's cunning. He's crafty. That's why he says we have to stand against his schemes. He's tricky. Deceit is his weapon. He wants to seduce us away from the truth, seduce us to compromise the truth so that we'll be deceived and move away from the truth of God. He wants us to see this. And in regards to this, listen, there's three mistakes we can make in regards to what we're seeing, in regards to the enemy. The first one is that we can deny his existence. We can deny his existence. And I'm sure there's people here right now that, you know, it's like, well, I don't even believe there is a devil. Well, okay, that's why we're getting our butt kicked all over the place. Because there is. And, and, and 
We know this. Listen, we can deny his existence. We can think that that's archaic and that that's old and that that's just how people used to explain things way back when because now we're so enlightened. We're so intelligent. We have so much knowledge. Well, if we have so much knowledge and we have so much intelligence today and there's no other root of this thing, then shouldn't we by now have it kind of figured out? But when I look at things around me, it doesn't seem to be getting better. It seems to be getting worse. And the more we deny the existence of an enemy, the more we're gonna get our butt kicked and the more we're gonna sit here confused Confused, thinking that technology and science is going to figure it out when what we really need to do is come back to the truth of God and begin to take a stand in faith and begin to war against the enemy and begin to tear down the strongholds through prayer and his word and then we might see things beginning to change. So we can deny his existence. We can underestimate his ability. You know, we, we think about Satan and we think about the devil and what comes to mind is a little red man with horns and a pitchfork. Kind of chubby, a little overweight, kind of like me. And, and, and he's kind of red and horns and a pitchfork and he's on this shoulder and angels on this shoulder and it's on Tom and Jerry and so it can't be that serious. And it's like, all right, whatever. It can't be that big a deal. And we underestimate his power, but he's the ruler of the air. He's the prince of this world. He is powerful. So one of the mistakes is that we can underestimate his ability, his power. But the third mistake is this, that we underestimate God's victory and his power over the enemy. And so we get to a place where sometimes, even when we begin to become aware that there is an enemy and we realize it, sometimes we just get in fear. But the place to live as a Christian is not in fear. The place to live as a Christian is in the love of Christ because the perfect love of God cast out all fear because we realize that we have a heavenly father who cares for us, who is greater than the enemy. He may be greater than me, but he's far inferior to my God. And so by faith, the whole to the truth by faith I hold to Christ by faith I know that the enemy can't do anything to me because Christ has put him under his feet he's overcome him he's defeated him Satan thought he was going to win Satan worked through people in his world system to put him on a cross he put him on a cross he breathed his last you know you th that Satan thought he had won Jesus goes into a tomb his body lays in a tomb for three days for three days Satan's doing a victory dance he's thinking that he's got this thing licked he's thinking that he's thwarted the, 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 the work of God but on the third day the stone rolls away the, the spirit of God begins to breathe life into Christ his body begins to to come back alive he steps out of the tomb and Satan went oh shoot <laughs> he's defeated we can't win the battle we can't we can't become who God wants us to be and 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 the church that God wants us to be in unity and harmony in purity we can't do it in our strength because Satan is greater than us. Listen, we're not even able to overcome our own willpower. Our willpower is not strong enough to overcome what needs to be overcome. But the power of God 
is so far superior to the power of the enemy. We just got to call on the one who gives us the strength. We hold to the truth by faith. And so we see where he's real, he's powerful, but God is greater. He tells us, therefore, he's saying, look, since we can't do it on our own, in our own strength, he says, since we, we need to put this armor of God on so we can stand against the enemy schemes, since we're not warring against flesh and blood, but we're warring against the authorities, the powers, the principalities, these spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm, since we're warring against these things, put on by faith, grab hold of, Take hold of the full armor of God. He's saying, don't take hold of something that is in your ability. Take hold of the armor of God. God, listen, God gives us all of these things we're about to read about. I know that I've heard messages preached. I've preached messages, read books, studies, where it talks about each individual piece of armament. And that's true. There, there's, he lists them out. But, but I want you to see that God gives us all of these in Christ. He doesn't give us one now and one there. He gives them all to us by faith in Jesus. All of these things come to us. I want you to see that all of these things are needed and necessary. It's not where we can like put on the helmet of salvation and we're good to go. Now I got on a helmet, but I'm naked everywhere else, right? No, all of these are needed and necessary. And they're all taken up by faith, by belief and trust in God's word. And, and they're inseparable. When we put on one, we have to have the others to even put them on. I want you to see how they tie together. I'm going to go through them in the order they're listed, but you can really look at them interchangeably. And they all fit together and work together as by faith we hold on to Christ and his truth. He says in verse 13 that we should put on the whole armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, when the day of challenge, when the day of, of trouble, when, when Satan comes against us, that we may be able to stand our ground. And after we've done everything, that we stand, standing firm in the faith, put on the armor of God by faith to stand firm. Verse 14, he says, stand firm then with the belt of truth, buckled around your waist. So he's saying, look, the first thing we need to look at and understand, he says, we've got to grab hold of the truth by faith. By faith, I grab hold of the truth. By faith, I grab hold of God's word. By faith, I stand firm in the truth. And when we look at all of this armament, he's going to show us who we are. He's going to show us who we're becoming. And then he's going to show us how out of who we are, who we're becoming, and he's going to show us what we do with it. And so he starts with truth. He says, buckle this belt of truth. What is the truth? The truth is God. The truth is Christ. He's the way, the truth, and the life. The truth is his word. The truth that God has given us in Christ and in his word, it shows us clearly who God is. It shows us clearly who we are in Christ and it shows us clearly our purpose in the world. When we come to the truth, we come to clarity 
And when we come to clarity in the truth, the truth begins to renew our mind. We begin to think differently. And we know that according to Romans 12 2, we know according to what we've seen in our own walk with Christ, that the truth begins to renew our mind. And when our mind is renewed, our life begins to be transformed. And so we come to the truth. We see the truth of who we are in God. We see the truth of who he is, the truth of our purpose. Our mind begins to be renewed. As our mind is renewed, our lives are transformed. As our lives are transformed, we begin to live a life that's true. A life that's free from pretense, a life that's free from hypocrisy. We begin to live a life that's true in accordance with the truth. I'm not saying that we're perfect. I'm saying we're just free enough to admit our own imperfections. We're free enough to recognize that the truth is that I'm in Christ. The truth is that I'm becoming like Christ. The truth is I'm not there yet, but I can live in a way that is true and real. The truth sets us free. The truth moves us to a life in Christ. He says also, he says with the breastplate of righteousness in place, what is righteousness? Righteousness first and foremost is our right standing with God. If we're righteous, we have right standing with God. We're accepted by God. But how are we accepted by God? By faith in Christ. The truth. When I put my faith in the truth, in the person of Christ, I'm made right with God. I have right standing with him. As I realize I have right standing with him, I begin to think differently again. I begin to think in right ways. When I begin to think in right ways, I begin to live in right ways. And so God works in me and then he works through me in these ways. But by faith, I take hold of the truth. By faith, I accept Christ. By faith, I become the righteousness of God. By faith, I can come into his presence because I've been accepted. By faith, I begin to see that I'm not who I once was, but I'm someone else. By faith, I begin to praise him for what he's done. By faith, I begin to think differently than I used to think. By faith, I begin to think correctly. I begin to think right. And by faith, I begin to live right. Right. And so it's, it's not some like theoretical or figurative thing that we put on. It's, it's taking by faith the truth of God. It's taking by faith Jesus. It's taking by faith what his word says and standing on it. So that when the world tries to tell us other things, listen, when we feel like we're being pulled in a million different directions and we're not sure exactly what we should do or where we should go, what do I do? I stand firm in the faith on God's truth and I hold steady so that when the dust clears, I'm still standing where God wants me to stand. Hold to the truth. I hold to the righteousness. I've been made right with God. I'm being made um, in the righteousness of Christ. Right living begins to come. He says also, he says, with the righteous, breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Where does peace come from? Peace comes from having peace with God. Peace begins when we have peace with God. We're made right with God. The way we're made right with God is by faith in Christ. 
The way we come to faith in Christ is we hear the truth, we hear the gospel. Faith comes from hearing and hearing comes from the word of God, the gospel of Christ. And so when I come to faith in Christ, I recognize the truth. I'm made right with God. I have peace with God. I realize now I can have peace with others and and peace becomes a foundation for me that's not built on circumstance. It's not built on anything other than the truth of Christ. My hope in Christ is secure. I can stand firm in it so that when the day of evil does come, I still walk in peace. Why? Because I realize that God has given me something greater. He's given me a future that's greater than what the world could ever take away. And in this peace, I'm able to carry the gospel forward. It's kind of like this. It's going into battle, but it's realizing that I'm right with God. He's got my back. I'm right with him. I'm ready to carry the gospel forward. I know I'm going against, literally going against hell. But I can have peace because greater is he who's in me than he who's in the world. I can have peace because I'm standing firm in the truth of God. I can have peace because I've been made right with God. And I can carry this into the world despite rejection or persecution. Even if they take my life, they can't take away the peace of God. He says in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And so he's telling us when you look at this and by faith you come to Christ. By faith, you, 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 you hold to the truth. By faith, you hold to the righteousness that you have in Jesus. By faith, you come boldly before his throne of grace. By faith, you have peace with him, peace in, with others and peace in your own soul. And he's saying, when you take this shield of faith, when you take these things by faith, it extinguishes all the lives of the enemy. See, so many of us, all of us in here have areas of our lives where we, we've believed lies that we've been told and those lies now have become our truth and what he's saying is Satan is going to seek to deceive he's going to lie to you he even tells us Jesus tells us in scripture he's the father of lies he's going to lie to you to deceive you he's going to bring accusations against you he's going to he's going to tell you you know that 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 you aren't who you are in Christ he's going to try to rob you of the life of God he says he's going to throw these arrows at you these lies of deception. But if you'll stand firm in the faith and in the truth, they'll have no power over you. That by faith in the truth and in Christ, we're able to be shielded from the lies of the enemy. So we're not tossed to and fro by everything that comes against us. Listen, think about it just for one example, that Satan comes and wants to put us in fear. But where does fear come from? It comes from us believing a lie that things aren't going to be okay. But if we're in Christ, things may not always be easy. Things may not always go the way we would have designed them to go. But one thing we can be assured of, if we are in Christ, things are going to be okay. And so we see that by faith, standing firm, We take up the shield of faith. We stand in the truth. We secure in the truth. We stand in his righteousness. The deceptions and the lies of the enemy have no place in us. 
He says, it's with the shield of faith that you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. He says, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The helmet of salvation, it's the hope of our salvation. It's the salvation I have now, but it's also the salvation I have coming. And so that as I'm fighting this battle, as Satan comes with his lies and I'm standing in the truth, and I know this, that, that, all of what he's telling me, that it's not gonna be okay, that I can't make it through this, that it's not gonna be all right, that I can't be a part of fulfilling God's promise, that I've been disqualified from fulfilling God's promise, that this is all it'll ever be, and this is all I was created to be, that we can recognize those things and understand that right now, God has called me from the kingdom of darkness into his kingdom of light, and now he's given me a greater purpose that's bigger than, than just where I am. I am. It's bigger than just Statesboro, Georgia, or the United States. He's given me a purpose to be a part of a body of believers, a community of people that's to go to the ends of the earth and fill the earth with his glory. And right now I know I've been saved. I've got this salvation, this helmet of salvation, this, this salvation that I know that I have because the spirit is in me. And through this salvation, I know that I have a greater calling. I've been saved from that kingdom of darkness to advance the kingdom of light and I can move forward in the confidence of that he says and take up the sword of the spirit which is the word of God uh, when he talks about the word of God it it's a word in Greek called rhema it's it's not just the whole bible the logos is 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 another word it represents the whole bible but but the, the word he uses here is rhema it's a word that is spoken it's, it's spoken in, in, in the right time. And I believe what Paul is saying here is in those moments when Satan is coming to deceive and lead us astray, he's saying you take the God's word and you take his, that word for that moment, that truth that's in God's word for that moment, and you tear down the lie of the enemy. When the enemy comes to tell you things that are not true, that you aren't gonna make it, that financially you'll, you'll, you're gonna go under, that you're going to starve to death, that you're going to, to go, you know, not, not make it through. Listen, when he begins to tell you those things, you come to God's word, you recognize God's promises, that if I seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness, that all these things will be added unto me, that God is going to care for me, that God is going to look over me, that God is greater than the enemy who's trying to lie to me and make me believe his lies as a truth. And so I take the word of God and I destroy, I tear down the lies of the enemy. He says in verse 18, he says, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. And so he closes this section with prayer. I've seen some who will add prayer as part of the armor. I really believe, uh, what I believe Paul is saying is that prayer is what really brings it all together. That prayer is, is how we war. That prayer is how we tear down the strongholds. 
I believe he's telling us that we're to pray all at all times, that, that we're not to be um, sleeping, that we're not to be apathetic, that we're not to be passive, but we're to be alert, to be sober, to be aware of, of what's going on around us, to understand the schemes of the enemy, to be wise in the ways of God and to understand the ways of Satan and that we can recognize those things and understand that we can't tear them down in the physical realm, but we can tear them down spiritually. How do we do that? We do that through prayer. We pray God's truth. We come boldly before God because of the righteousness that we have in Christ. We can approach his throne. We can pray God's word and his truth. We have peace with God that we can come to him. We, we know that by faith we can stand firm and secure in all that God has given us and what he's done. But listen, church, if, if, if we don't pray, we have no weapons against Satan. If we aren't a praying people, how else are we going to do war in the heavenlies? If we're not a praying people, how are we going to see God's kingdom come? How are we going to tear down these lies of deception that exist in our own minds and the world around us? It's through prayer. There's great power in prayer. And it's not just praying a list of things that we hope for feel like we need that. Yeah, we pray those things. We let every request be known to God, absolutely. But a large part of our prayer should be prayed for God's kingdom to come, for God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. See, Jesus could have had the kings, kingdoms of the earth. He, he was in the desert. Satan, the ruler of this world, offered him the kingdoms of the earth. But Jesus knew the point of it all wasn't for him to have the kingdoms of the earth. It was for him to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. And that's what we need to be praying. We need to pray. We need to tear down. We need to pray God's truth, God's word. We need to take the sword of the spirit, the word of God, and refute the lies of the enemy. In order to pray God's word, we've got to know God's word. You got to know his promises. And then in prayer, we stand on those promises and we don't just say a, a flippant prayer, but we stand and we stand firm and we pray and we pray and we pray until something breaks. And we don't stop, but we pray without ceasing. And I'll be honest, it convicts me because I know that I don't pray this way as I should. But I know this, guys, that if we're going to see Ephesians 1 through 6:10 happen, it's going to be because we pray in faith. It's going to be because we stand firm in faith, in the truths of God's word, in his righteousness, that we walk in peace. I don't know about y'all, but man, I am tired of seeing the church get its rear end handed to it, right? Does anybody understand that redneck language? We've got, to, we, we've got to begin to pray. We've got to begin to tear down this kingdom of darkness that's around us. I want to tell you, uh, you know, and this sounds like, you know, the 
spiritual thing to say, but there's a battle going on for this land right now. I don't know if you see it or not, but there's a battle going on right now. And listen, I don't know how much the battle is to preserve the American way. The battle that's raging is whether or not this land that we live in is going to be ruled by the kingdom of darkness or by the kingdom of light. If we really want to see the kingdom of heaven come, God's kingdom come on earth, if we really want to see his will be done, we got to begin to pray. Listen, I know we get distracted, but isn't that the tactic of the enemy to bring confusion, distraction, deceit? I know it's not a priority. I, I see how many people come to, to prayer on Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday mornings. And that's not to condemn or put down. I'm just raising awareness of an issue. We can't be a people deceived by God. Just thinking we're going to go through our day and the kingdom just comes. He just does it. He's chosen his church, his people, to be his instrument to renew the face of the earth. If that's going to happen, listen, we, I don't even think Satan cares if we come in and sing some songs and have a message. If we don't go out of here and do anything with it, what's he care? If we're not going to pray, if we're not going to tear these things down, he doesn't care. I had someone tell me this the other day. It made a lot of sense to me. He said, if someone were coming in your house to take your wife and children, what would you do? I'm not that godly. I know what I do, right? I'd fight, I'd battle, I'd war. But when what's intangible, what we can't see is doing the same thing, we just sit passively back and let him do it. We don't war, we don't fight with the weapons God's given us. We don't pray. And guys, until we do, until we stand on his truth, until we take the sword of the spirit, We can, we, we, we had better learn to be happy with as is, with status quo, just to try to keep the lights on and do our thing. But when we see it, the eyes of our hearts are enlightened and we take it seriously. And God will do more than we can think or imagine.
why don't we uh, today, let's close out. Let's, let's stand and pray together. Father, I just thank you for just first the fact that we can come to you, Lord, because we don't deserve it, but God, you've made a way through Christ. God, thank you that you clothe us with truth and righteousness. You give us peace with you, with each other, Lord, with in our, even within our own souls, God. You've given us faith to stand firm in you and your ways and your truth. God, I pray that we would begin to be a people that take the sword of the Spirit, we take the Word of God, and we begin to tear down the lies of the enemy. God, that we'd be a people who are bold enough to share and show your love to this world. God, I pray that you'd begin to tear down the strongholds in our own minds, the lives that experience has taught us, And I just know that I don't even, I don't have to be a prophet to know this. This is just the way the world is. I know this, that there are people here today who you've been told some of your life, if not all of your life, you're stupid. You've been told you never amount to anything. You've learned that you're loved because of what you do, not who you are. You can fill in the blank with, the, with your lie. I pray that the Holy Spirit would quicken our hearts to recognize the lies that Satan's fed us, that we've allowed to become truths, that we can't move beyond our past, that we can't become the people God created us to be, that we can't be the church that God created us to be. Father, I pray right now you'd set us free from those lies because of your truth. God, we know you have called us and created us to be a holy priesthood. God, a, a royal people, a, a people of your kingdom. You've called us out of darkness into light. God, let us stand in that truth. Let us hold to that truth by faith. God, I know that, that, that challenges in this room abound. I thank you, God, that you are greater. God, I thank you. In the midst of hell, in the midst of the challenges of life, God, we can stand firm in faith upon your truth, upon your word, upon Christ. Lord, I pray you would move in our hearts and that, that, that you moving in our hearts would move us to pray that we begin to war, that we begin to stand in faith and in your truth, that we would take your truth, the sword of the spirit, and we would begin to tear down the strongholds, the incorrect ways of thinking that exist in our life and in this world. God, give us clarity, enlighten our hearts to see clearly, Lord. Father, I, I just thank you. Thank you that your truth prevails here today and every day forward in our own hearts and lives. Help us to read it, to know it, to know you, to see you, to see who we are, to see our purpose and help us to stand firm in that and then 
who you've called us to be, Lord. God, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for giving us victory. God, now I just pray that we would, by faith, walk in it. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. Hey, um, listen, real quick. If you have never accepted Christ as your Savior, you don't know, you don't have a relationship with him, but the Lord's speaking to your heart. You may not even be 100% sure what's going on, but you know maybe that the Lord's drawing you, the Lord's speaking to you. I'm gonna ask some of our prayer team. They're gonna come down forward. If today uh, you would like to accept Christ, come to faith in Jesus and begin a relationship with God, I'm asking you to come and talk to one of our prayer team members. Listen, um, if there's something else you need prayer for, come down. We'd love to pray with you. Otherwise, God bless you. Hope to see you at 430 um, for the fall festival. See you then.